What's up, everybody? How we doing today? Good. Honored to be here. And uh, I want to say to your pastor, if he's watching, really grateful for your friendship. Even though he did try to kill me by taking me uh, to play golf in this heat when I got here. And uh, man, it's different. It is different. So about the middle of the round, I'm like, I have a severe headache and this is probably the end for me. So But anyway, we had a great time, really have great pastors. And uh, again, just thankful to be here. I do come from Philadelphia and uh, God's been really good to us, especially to me in that I uh, have a beautiful wife and kids and they send uh, their greeting to you, my wife, Lauren, uh, and my son, Maverick, and my daughter, Jovi, and they're right there. Uh, And I miss them a lot, but I'll see them later today. Uh, So yeah, uh, we've been pastoring. We started our church in 2014. And uh, we, we have six locations in the city and we're believing uh, over the next 20 years, we're going to have 30 churches that we reach people. To, uh, name of our church is the Block Church, Revive Every Block. So that's kind of our goal uh, is to see revival in Philadelphia. It's possible there are Christians in Philadelphia. <laughs> and um, not many, but there's a few. And uh, and so, in fact, we're going to this year, we're going to baptize our thousandth person. So we just praise God for that, what he's done. So, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you guys remember, we had this like pandemic thing that happened and uh, is a little bit different maybe here uh, than, than it was in, in Philadelphia. It wasn't entirely about like sickness. Uh, it, there was a lot of other stuff happening and it, it was just an interesting time. We kind of have two churches, you know, it was like the, the church before the pandemic and the church after. And, uh, but, but it, it, you know, I learned a lot during that time and, but a lot of people went through a lot of stuff emotionally and it's not uncommon for pastors to receive weird emails uh, from people, you know, or, or even threatening emails, you know, like, I don't like that message or, you know, whatever. So I had this lady who kept emailing me just kind of weird things like scriptures out of context, you know, and, and it was like, okay, that doesn't make a lot of sense, but God bless you, you know. But then like sometimes during the pandemic, she would uh, wait at our offices and she would stand outside our offices and she would go, where's Pastor Joey? And uh, I, I tell him, and she would just scream this, and you have a little camera and we're watching this. Oh, tell him to stop harassing me. Stop following me to work. He left a dead bird in my house, which is of course my signature move, you know. But I mean, she would do this like day after day where it was like, okay, like, what are we going to do? So she would catch me out of, out of the office. Now, I wish I could tell you she was doing this because of how handsome and good looking I am, but I think it was a little more demonic than that. So anyway, I digress. Uh, that's what I tell my wife anyway. Uh, but, but she would stand there, she would catch me. And then in my face, she would be like, stop bleeping following me. You're harassing me. And you left a dead bird in my house. And it was, it was like a little creepy to the point. I'm like, you know, I wonder if maybe we should call the police, you know, and not that they're allowed to do anything in Philadelphia. And so she started to, <laughs> so she started to come to my house and, and I lived in the city at the time and, and she would write notes 
And it would be like, again, out of context scriptures, but they were threatening, like, I'm going to burn down your household. I'm going to kill your children, basically. So at that point, my wife's like, all right, I'm done. Like, we're calling the police. And so, you know, we're like, police are in our home. And I come to find out she lives a block away from us. So she's just watching. And uh, one day, uh, I was at the park. And, <clears throat> and um, I'm sitting there. And I'm just, uh, my, my son's playing in the water and I'm texting my wife. And, and all of a sudden I look up and kind of like a, an Alfred Hitchcock movie, she's standing over me, just looking at me, waiting for me to look up. And when I finally do, I'm startled and she goes, stop, bleed dead bird in my house. And so at this point, my son has run over into my arms and he's jumped into my arms and I'm kind of like a little freaked out because it's, it, we're in public and, you know, I don't know, it just was weird. And so she has this backpack on, she throws her backpack down on the bench. Now I've backed up like 30 feet and she's starting to fumble in her backpack. I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to die today. Why are you laughing at that? <laughs> I don't get it. This guy's like, ha, 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 ha. You know, he's probably a Cowboys fan. So anyway, so, 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 so anyway, so she's fumbling and I'm, I'm thinking for real, like I'm going to get shot. What am I going to do with my son? Do I throw him? Do I give him to a, like a, like run home? He's three and a half, you know? So after a while, and, and it felt like an eternity, she pulls out an ax. And so I'm like thinking, this is crazy, kind of funny. I think I can survive this. And so I call the police while I'm holding my son. You know, your adrenaline's going. So like, I mean, I'm just, I'm holding my son. I call the police and, and the dispatcher's like, Hey, does anyone have COVID? I said, lady, I don't know. Sure. Well, to get you here faster, count me as a COVID death. Like I'm going to die soon. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like just someone come. So I hang up because she's not caring. I call a lady who, who had a sergeant, uh, who was a sergeant. And she's like, do not leave the park. And so for the next 15 minutes, I am evading this woman who is wielding, yielding, wielding, yielding. She's doing both an ax. And attempting to kill me. And, and what's crazy is the people in the park, they were like, thought it was a domestic. So just like, no thanks. Until finally a couple fathers realized this wasn't my wife mad at me, you know? And so they stand in front of me and I wish I could say the rest was history because even to this day, it's an ongoing litigation, even though she has seven counts against her. But, but when it was all over, when the adrenaline settled down and I was discussing it with my wife, I, I, I just, out of my mouth, I kept saying this, you know, Lauren, this is not what I thought life would be like when we said yes to God. This is, this is not what I thought would happen when I was obedient. Have you been there before? Where you're like, God, I said yes to, to you and I had some expectations and you're not fulfilling them. This is not what I thought. I thought you were a good, good father. They even wrote a song about it. This don't feel good. Have you been there? Where God wasn't meeting your expectations? 
You know what I've learned over the last few years? God really isn't in the business of meeting our expectations. He actually, when we stay faithful, exceeds them beyond anything we could ask, think, dream, or imagine. And you may not be there yet, but I believe if you hold on, you'll get there. And today I wanna preach a message titled, this is not what I thought. So turn to somebody next to you and tell them you're better than I thought. And if you're trying to get a date, perfect opportunity. I'm gonna tell your spouse, you're better looking than I thought. Actually, that might get you in trouble. So I wanna, I wanna walk us through Acts chapter 16 today, Paul's second missionary journey and a little context him and Silas are ministering together and attempting to go to Asia. But the spirit of God is keeping them, uh, more like protecting them. You know, a lot of times in our life, God keeps us from things and uh, sometimes we feel like it's punishment, but sometimes it's honestly just protection because he has something better. And we stay frustrated rather than turning it into praise. I know I've been there. So they try to go to Turkey, but God prevents them there too. Then Paul has a vision in verse nine and 10, which I'll read. And the Bible says that night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in Northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And so that's exactly what they do. And in verse 15, they meet Lydia and she gives her life to Christ. They baptize her and her family. And like, amen, it was success, job well done. A lot of times though, and I'm quick to do this, is I see a little success and I think that's all God has. Uh, I, sometimes I'm even triggered because I'm like, oh, it's going well, better stop while I'm ahead. You, you know, that's, a, that's an orphan mentality, by the way, thinking that it's, all, always just going to fall apart. All of a sudden, my kids were obedient today. It's never going to happen again. Let's just stop while we're ahead. It's actually not a great way of living and thinking. But anyway, so they have a little success, but then verse 16, Bible says this, one day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God and they've come to tell you how to be saved. All right, so they say yes to God. They have a little success. And while they're doing their thing, uh, they, they get a little pushback, a little bit of resistance. I wanna help you for a moment. This really will mature you and equip you because it's important we always expose the devil for who he is. Um, First of all, there, there's three kinds of resistance. There's, firstly, there's natural resistance. It's just the laws of nature. A lot of Christians who, are, who hyper-spiritualize things will blame the devil for everything. It's like, my marriage is bad, it's the devil's fault. No, you're an idiot. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, it's like, my kids are demons. No, you just give them their iPad at all times. You know, they're like, they, they, they're learning how to live from YouTube. Stop. You know, it's like, it's like, or like, Hey, I want to start a business. And like, it's kind of hard. Like, well, just because it's hard doesn't mean it's the devil's fault. It just means it's like life. It's just natural laws. 
You know, I want to lose 50 pounds. I've been trying to lose 50 pounds for 50 years. Just, it's just hot, but I like cheesesteaks and food. You know, it's like, it's like, I got to make a choice. You know, it's like some of this is just natural resistance. So like in life, when you are up against resistance, like make a determination uh, or, or make, a, uh, make an educated understanding that, okay, it's possible. This could just be natural resistance. I'm just going to stay through it. I'm just going to be more committed, maybe be a little bit more disciplined. We're going to get through this, right? But then I think, secondly, there is what I would call demonic pushback. Demonic pushback is unexplained challenges or pains, but things that aren't enough to take you out. You know, and I think this is what Paul and Silas are experiencing right now. It's, you've got, you've got this, this little slave girl who's, who's full of demons, who's, who's agitating them. And this is clearly demonic pushback. And as, as, mu- as annoying as it is, it's probably not enough to take them out. When you do something spiritual, let's say you give for the first time. Let's say you become a tither. Amen. Well, all of a sudden it's like my car broke down. I can't explain this. It's brand new. How'd that happen? It's like, is it, is it possible that, that the enemy doesn't like that you're taking steps forward in your spiritual journey? So he tries to throw you off. Or oh, man, I've signed up to serve. And, but all of a sudden I woke up today and my kids are acting like absolute demons. Or I'm tired or I don't feel like sometimes things happen that are unexplainable. Where it's just like, man, am I, am I mature enough in my spirituality to understand that the enemy is providing some pushback because he doesn't want to see me take spiritual ground? Now, there's another level to this. This is, this is the third level of pushback that, that I, I, I've noticed is that there's then exposure to other attacks. And those exposures sometimes feel unbearable. But in the midst of that, the Holy Spirit feels bigger. It's like, you know, you find yourself in a hospital room in an unexplainable situation, yet you have this confidence and strength that God's going to get you through. You know, you know th- this, this level right here is like, okay, I- I'm really going to be obedient. I'm really going to go deeper. I- I'm really going to follow after God's heart, his voice, the Holy Spirit. And, and sometimes in the middle of that, there is pushback and resistance from the enemy. And I'm not telling you this to scare you or to keep you from being obedient to God. I'm just telling you this to equip you and prepare you that the enemy never likes when we take obedient steps. And so you just have to know in your own maturity that it's possible that as I say yes to God, I'm going to experience some resistance. Can we accept that as believers? And can we not give up when we experience a little bit of resistance. You see this all through the Old Testament and through the scriptures that Noah, he had a hostile people. He had rain before the boat was completed. Moses had Pharaoh and an ungrateful people. Joseph had Potiphar's wife in prison. Elijah had Jezebel in isolation. David had Goliath and Saul. The prophets had evil kings. The disciples and apostles were harassed, dispersed, and martyred. Here's what I'm saying. God has a way of building character and calling through opposition, even if it's limited. You want to understand 
the Holy Spirit? You want to understand how God speaks? You want to understand how God uses you? A lot of times he uses, maybe doesn't cause, but uses the opposition of the enemy to build character, a firm calling, even if it's not what you thought. Now, all that said, would you agree that verse 16 and verse 17 are pretty chill? You could deal with that. They are. I mean, it's a girl who's bothering them while they're trying to do what they're doing. But in verse 18, the Bible says they went on day after day. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. You know, I, I, I read that and it reminded me of what my son said to me. My son watches Superbook. Every morning, Superbook is this cartoon that tells Bible stories. And it's pretty graphic, like they don't leave anything out. And one day we were watching a Superbook about a prophet casting out a demon. And my son looks at me, and this was many a months later. And he says, hey, dad, how come you didn't cast that demon out of that lady who attacked us? Shut up. Why didn't you, you know? It's like, well, I'm, I'm three, dad. Like, I don't know, you're supposed to protect me. And it convicted me, like, almost like out of the mouth of babes kind of thing, where I was like, it's like that same power is within us. But, but, I, but I also thought about this, that in this cultural climate, you know, you can do one thing to bless one person, but it bothers somebody else. We live in a very social media oriented culture where it's like, I love apples. And someone will say to you, well, that means you hate oranges. No, I just said I loved apples. You know, this is the culture we live in. It's a very disrupted, angry, uh, divisive culture. And what happens here is Paul, he looks at this girl and in a, in a sense has mercy on her and, and he tells the demon to go. He blesses her, but it, it bothers the slave owners. My little girl, I always tell her, Jovi, you're so pretty. You're such a pretty little girl. And if my son will overhear, sometimes he'll go, am I not handsome? I'm not talking to you. I'm not dealing with you. This has nothing to do with you. But like, this is, again, it's like sometimes when you, when you bless one person and another person doesn't get the attention they think they deserve or the benefit that they think they should get, they're bothered by it. And it's a spiritual principle in our life. When you say yes to the Holy Spirit, when you are obedient to God, you want to live a righteous, holy, upright, godly life. Well, guess what? That's going to bless you and some other people, but it might bother somebody else. You tell your boss, well, you know what? I don't work on Sundays because I'm committed to the house of God. It's going to be a blessing to you, to your family, but it might bother your boss. You tell somebody that you've been engaged to or living with for two years, hey, enough's enough. Like, we need to get married and make this thing right. Well, it will bless you, but it might bother them. You got toxic people in your life, even family, that don't 
allow you and encourage you to live out your full potential in Christ Jesus. And at some point you have to cut people off. It's going to be a blessing to you and others, but it might bother them. Question is, believer, is who are you living for? Because to please God sometimes means to bother man and to walk fully into what God's asked you to do, even if it means to take a step of faith in a place or in a direction that you don't prefer to go to. It will be a blessing to you and the people that you come in contact with, but it might bother people who had an expectation on your life that God didn't have for you. Well, we want God We want God to exceed our expectations, but we have to put to death our self-preservation. Our preference. The reality is, is you can't please everybody. Doing God's will will bless some and it will bother other people. What what are you committed to? Are you committed to people-pleasing or God-pleasing? Are you committed to hearing the voice of God and, and saying, God, even if this costs me something, I want to go back to this idea of self-preservation for a minute because uh, we in our culture, we are very obsessed with making sure we are taken care of. And is it bad for you to take care of yourself? Is it bad for you to make sure your retirement is full? Is it bad for you uh, to, to make sure you've got places to go? You've got a home to live in? No, none of those things are bad. And in a lot of ways, they're biblical. But sometimes... We have an expectation of how life should go and how God should bless. And then all of a sudden we hear the voice of God saying, I don't want you to go there, not there, not there, not there, not there, not there, but here. But I wanted to do this. I wanted to spend here. I wanted to, I wanted to apply here. I wanted to work here. I wanted to go and do this. And God's all of a sudden, yeah, but I've got something for your for you here. And so all of a sudden our our own preferences and self-preservation gets disrupted and we have to trust God that he's our security. We are not our security. But like the beauty and the adventure of the Christian life is the on, on the other side of you leaving your security here. It's on you going, you know what? This may not be what I thought, but if I'm obedient, could it be better? Could it be exceedingly, abundantly, beyond what I could ask, think, or imagine? If you really got down to the core of your soul, some of us have everything, but in our soul, we're missing something. I just wonder if Paul and Silas, in the midst of not being where they expected to go or wanted to go, had a peace, had a hope, had a joy, had a a fire that was maybe better than pleasing their own selves. Now, in verse 20, it turns a little bit. The Bible says the whole city's in an uproar because of these Jews. They shouted to the city officials, they are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. So a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. Then they were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison. 
the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Now, this is where I get frustrated. This is where I get annoyed at God. Can I just be honest for a second? Can you take off your religious mask for a moment? Have you ever been frustrated with the Lord before? It's like, God, we did exactly what you asked us to do. We said yes, and now we are here in an inner dungeon, cold and bloody and bruised, and we're probably going to die. That's me, by the way. I'm in there going, I'm frustrated. God, why did you bring me here? Have you been there? It's like, God, why, why, like, like I thought, I, I thought, God, I've been pure for marriage, but I'm still not married yet. Why, God? Or, or I've got this sickness or I've got this disease and it's not fair. Or ministry, life is just so hard. It's not what I thought it would be. Or my marriage was supposed to be good, but it's never been good. My kids are a mess and prodigals. I thought I'd make more money by now. We prayed for children, but we don't have them yet. Christianity has questions that aren't getting answers. Have you been there? You're going, this is, this is not what I expected. This is not what I thought. God, I was patient and I was pure. I, I did the right things. Isn't it frustrating when you do the right things, but the results aren't what you thought they would be? And here's Paul and Silas in this dungeon. And again, if I'm them, I'm going, God, I said, yes, where are you at? You know that song, uh, King of My Heart, where it's like, you're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You know that song? I hate that song. <laughs> Stupid. Cause I'm like, well, God, I really feel let, I really feel let down. God, I really hate this person. I really, really hate them now. God, if you would, would you smite everyone in town? You know, like, I don't know. It's like, like, I just like, sometimes I'm singing that song and I'm like, you're never gonna let, you're never gonna. And then I'm just thinking of all the ways in my life I feel like I've been let down. I don't like, excuse me. trying to buy a building as a church for since we started and we were we were on the we were on the edge of it we were in contract we were at the end of our due diligence i'm like finally we can stop being this mobile ghetto set up and tear down like god i'm so tired and then right at the end of due diligence, we, we, we find that there could be tanks in front of the parking and there was issues with the building and i had to walk away and it felt like a gut punch. And I'm like, God, why am I constantly being let down? Come on, if you're honest, man, we've all been there. It's like, this is not what I thought. Reminds me of the rest of Paul's life. He's prisoned, he's, he's shipwrecked, he's, he's beaten on and on and on. But somehow he pens these letters 
where he's encouraging the believers to keep the faith and keep fighting and keep loving and keep serving and keep believing and live righteous and holy. Like, like how did Paul have that kind of maturity? Because I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned in my own soul that if I was in a dungeon and I couldn't take a selfie and tell everybody how great of a preacher I was, I would be a victim instead of have a victor mindset. But what happens in verse 25, the Bible says around midnight, Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. And you know what I could hear them singing? Probably, you're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You know why? Because there was something in them that was like, you know what? I, I'm not actually here to meet my expectations. I'm actually here to just serve God and come what may, I'm good with that. And like if all of us journeyed with God in that way where it's like, you know what? Like even if I die, if God gets the glory, well then that's good enough for me. But we are too obsessed with our preferences and our preconceived notions for God to ever do something miraculous. That's why in the middle of the night when they're declaring that God's good and he's never gonna let them down, that's why there was an earthquake. That's why the walls came down because they had the faith for it. Maybe that's why we don't see certain things come down in our life because we're too much of a victim. And instead of praising, when we have problems, we're complaining at the sight of resistance. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. But I'm here to tell you, God is not a man in which he would lie. And if you just stay long enough, just keep fighting and keep praying and keep believing and keep fasting and keep seeking and keep hungering. There will be a suddenly in your life where God shows up miraculously and you look around and you see God is the same miracle worker today than he was then. I believe that for you so crazy about this story in verse 27 and I, I'm going to close with this but the jailer wakes up the prison doors are wide open and he assumes the prisoners had escaped so he draws his sword to kill himself but Paul shouts to him stop don't kill yourself we're all here the jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas then he brought them out and asked sirs what must I do to be saved it's crazy they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved along with everyone in your house. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. That's the best part of the story. 
Because again, you know what my expectations would have been? Okay, God, you said for us to go to Greece. I expect it to be smooth. I expect there to be no turbulence. I expect that when I get there, everybody's going to get saved. They're going to clap for me. They're going to feed me well. Everything's going to be good. Instead, they got a whole bunch of drama. They almost lost their lives. But at the end of it, they saw a miracle. Like this is the kind of story and stuff they get to tell their grandkids. And a lot of us don't have any stories because we don't stay in it long enough to see God exceed our expectation. And like, think about this. Their enemies are cleaning their wounds. Like they are being fed by the very people who locked them up. And now they are seeing their whole household be baptized and saved. Can I tell you, our God is the God of the impossible that exceeds expectations. And I don't know if you're disappointed today or frustrated today or questioning today or wondering today. But can I tell you, it's not over yet. It may not be what you thought. But if you stay. I don't know how God's going to work it out. Maybe he never heals that disease, but he uses it for his glory if you let him. Maybe the baby never comes, but you adopt four and you save lives and it becomes better than you thought. Or maybe he does touch the womb and he gives the children or he advances the business or I don't know what it is for you, but I stand here in faith saying, God, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to walk away. You've done too much then. I got to believe you can do it today. Would you, would you just slowly stand with me? I just want to believe and pray over you. I just want to prophesy over you today. There are people here that are wondering if God has abandoned them and forgotten them. And the better question is, is am I listening to the Holy Spirit and staying long enough for God to do the work? I just pray over you right now in Jesus' name. I believe for you. Those who are believing for children, I believe that over you and for you today. Those who are in a transition in their life and their careers, those who feel a call to start the business, those who are believing for their children to come home who are prodigals, those of you who are questioning if God is real, Today, he's going to prove himself faithful and real over you in Jesus' name. God, would you exceed expectations? Would you do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond anything we could ask, think, or imagine? God, we declare in faith and by faith today that it is not true that you let us down. You're just setting us up for greater. And we believe with all of our heart that you're never going to let us down. Can we declare that and believe that today? Come on, church, let's think.